Adult content intended for an adult audience only. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. Contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link above to further support this writer. Pogo's Very Long Day by Todd172 There's an old saying about playing poker. If you look around the table and can't figure out who the sucker is, you're it. It was pretty obvious that I was the sucker here. It wasn't just that everybody seemed to be in on the game plan but me. The kicker was the .45 automatic level at my center mass. By a girl I'd never have dreamed would point a weapon at me. It hadn't been a very good day to start with. Spooky had headed out the night before on another business trip. Where, or for how long, we never knew. It's the nature of the business. And we accepted that, accepted the risk that she might not come back. But her leaving in the evening always left us out of sorts. She usually flew out in the morning. That gave us a chance to say goodbye properly, wear each other out as if it were the last time we would see each other. And that's possible. Like I said, it's the nature of the business. But her leaving in the evening left us both out of sorts all day, and left me with a sleepless night wondering if I would see her again. Wondering what we really had. We'd been, an item, since she comes stalking into my life two years ago, twelve years after we'd met. I'd assumed it was an unresolved infatuation on her part, that it would burn out, so I tried my best not to take it too seriously. But whatever it started as, it became something else. I just wasn't sure what it was. I couldn't call it love, and neither would she we were both too wary, maybe too broken, to admit to something as prosaic as that. We weren't exclusive, we'd agreed to that she was gone too often and too long, we had no schedule, no possibility of anything normal or sane. At least not for now. But the divorcee tourists in hot pursuit of their midlife crises held little attraction for me now. And it was rarer and rarer that I had to throw one out when I got the message from Spooky letting me know she'd be arriving in a day or so. In fact, last night, I'd realized I hadn't bothered with one of them in over a year. Although she never said anything, from the look of relief on her face when she found her closet clear and her robes still hung neatly on the bathroom door, Spooky had feelings about that too. It was a hypnotic attraction of some type. Something neither of us, perennial loners both, could resist. Something I don't think either of us wanted to resist. I was her comfort, her safe haven. She was my could have been, the normal I couldn't have, didn't deserve after the life I'd led. Whatever it was, we clung like magnets when we could be together, even though I was far too old for her, and she was far too feral for anyone. She'd been a little off for the last couple weeks, moody and a bit sullen, but even in that mood, I wanted her near. And she seemed clingy despite it. Being apart was disconcerting, even more disconcerting than being together. I'd been feeling more unsettled than ever lately. My older sister, Danica, had been chiding me about skipping family time at Christmas for the last few years. Maybe I needed to go, reconnect. I could find someone to watch the shack for a couple weeks. So the day had led off with a sense of loss, disappointment, and fitful sleep. I was ten minutes late opening the shack, which got me a scowl from Greece. He had to pick up box lunches for his fishing charter. I was behind but he helped me slap them together, thrusting them a little haphazardly into a cooler. They didn't have to be perfect, over half his guests didn't eat anything substantial while they were out anyway due to seasickness. He didn't say much, probably sensing my mood. It was the Friday charters, so I'd have the big grill set up on the beach in front of the shack so his fishermen could grill their swordfish or tuna or if they'd had a poor catch steaks. They'd swap lies around the bonfires and try to convince unexcited wives it was worth the cost. We'd just feed the wives margaritas, mojitos and other drinks until they either enjoyed themselves or just wouldn't remember not enjoying themselves in the morning. Whatever works. I'd always loved doing the beach bonfire thing, as challenging as it can be. We'd had to pick up the pace since I cut the deal with Greece and Angel a few years ago. The tips alone made it worth ten times the trouble it took. A lot of the locals attended, and wandering tourists would pay the party fee and join in. When she was in, Spooky looked forward to the Friday bonfires. They were the kind of fun and friendship she'd never had as a kid. She'd been a wallflower at first, not believing things like this could exist. And when Spooky wanted to be a wallflower, she was truly invisible. But after a few times she tentatively joined in, then with more and more eagerness. Much to her own surprise, Spooky loved helping with the grill, but I was on my own today. Howard was back in the States visiting relatives. Maybe I could convince X and Monster to help. 
Monster cooks steaks with the same precision he applied to everything. They'd probably be there anyway. They seem to be on babysitting duty with Grease and Angel's two girls all the time lately. I needed to talk with X anyway. Loud Howard Colonel Howard, United States Army, retired had caught me before he left, whispering that she looked a little under the weather. We worried about X. A lot. If you're in the military for any length of time, you find out that obligations don't end just because you move on. A former soldier who used to be in your squad 20, or even 30 years ago still has a place to sleep on your couch if he needs it. You're still responsible for your people, for the things you've done, or in our case, created. We'd been the ones who trained Monster and built him to be what he was. We were responsible if he ended up going off the rails. Monster and X don't have any idea we figured out what is going on. Not everything. But enough. The injuries from his last mission had done something to him. Something very bad. From what we can tell he's stuck in what we call, trigger mode. Some guys call it, the zone, some call it, going red. It's just how we train team members to handle combat. Suppress emotion, engage targets based on capability, intention and immediacy, surviving through a running threat matrix. Deal with secondary issues later or not at all. Monster was seeing everything, everyone through that running threat matrix. Howard figured it out. Something fell off when he saw Monster in the hospital so he looked into it. Broke every privacy law ever written, stole medical records, psyche valves, and hospital surveillance footage. He called in favors from years ago, got a few people working on it. Autopsies, news reports, an accident report, some crime statistics. It all added up. Monster was fully operational in the tactical sense. Eliminating threats. When Monster and X started coming out on vacation, it all got a little clearer. He was using the techniques we taught him to work undercover. He was using them to pretend to be himself. Monster was pretending to be Monster. Somehow X had become his handler. We have no idea how it happened, but that isn't really important. But somehow she became his interface with humanity. And that is important. Very, very important. If anything happened to X, Monster would have no guidance, no restrictions. He'd just start working his way through his threat matrix in descending order. That idea was truly terrifying. Especially since we only had a vague idea of how he was classifying threats and weren't certain what he was trying to protect. So Howard and I sat down over a bottle of very good cognac and designed a plan. We called it the very bad plan. It wasn't likely to end well for anyone, and might be worse than doing nothing. We'd use a four-wheel drive truck and twenty plastic buckets. We'd fill each bucket with five gallons of an enhanced version of ammonium nitrate fuel oil explosive. It would be rigged with an impact detonator, a dead man switch and a remote detonator, a chicken switch. All on different, redundant circuits. The plan was to drive into the big patio doors of his walkout basement at the back of his house, while he was home, and detonate nearly half a ton of high explosive as close to him as possible. If he survived, he'd likely be injured and moving slow enough for a sniper to take out. It sounds insane, excessive. But Monster really was that dangerous. He was a true natural. He was gifted in the same sense, and at the same level that a gold medal Olympic athlete is gifted. Reflexes, speed, precision, focus. Imagine the average guy using a lap pool suddenly dropping into a race with Michael Phelps. That's the difference. Except his, event, his skill set was very, very antisocial. One of the team snipers had given the iconic description of Monster. Shooting Monster between the eyes at 500 meters would show good aim. In the back of the head at 1,200 meters would show better judgment. Howard was a better long-range shot than me, so he'd be the sniper and manage the remote detonator. He'd also have a suicide vest with a dead man switch in case Monster got loose. Monster tended to work up close and personal, so that was a pretty decent option. I'd be driving the truck, so I'd never even know if it worked. I hoped Spooky would understand. It wasn't a great plan his house was backed right up to the state park and if he got into those woods, we were completely screwed. There were only a few good sniper positions, and he certainly had those on his radar. We figured we had a solid 30% chance of killing him. With any other target that would have been laughably bad. With this one, it was as good as we could develop. We really hoped cancer or something took him out before anything happened to her. We couldn't try to help X or let her know what we had figured out, at all. If he suspected anything, she'd be the first one he questioned and she would talk eventually. Howard and I, along with every former team member would leap up in his threat matrix. We could only use the plan as a last resort because trying and failing would be worse. For everybody. So X's health was very high on my priority list. On the bright side, 
X came in with Danny for breakfast just after Greece left. Danny is X and Monster's daughter. She's in her twenties now and married. In that cute zone of pregnancy just after the morning sickness, but before the awkward, waddle stage. She was kind of a rare treat these days. Life was catching up to her and it had gotten harder and harder for her to get out to the islands. They'd helped themselves to coffee and were sitting in one of the tables overlooking the beach. I walked over to Danny's side. She looks a lot like her mother did at that age. Tall, lean, and model pretty. Angel is prettier, but that's just an unfair comparison judging anyone by Angel's beauty is patently unfair. So what does the baby want for breakfast? She smiled, radiating eagerness. The baby is seriously craving some of those spicy fried breakfast noodles. The baby can't get them stateside and wants them really badly. You know, I gave you that recipe. It just isn't the same without your greasy thumb in it, Pogo. I tried. She made that mock sad face I'd been seeing since she was ten. Some things just don't change. I shook my head. Probably need to just take some beach sand back with you to sprinkle on it. She her smile softened a little. It's great to see you again. Derek says hi. He couldn't make it. Big case coming up. How long you out for? She shrugged. Not too long. Just have to wrap up some things before the baby is born. She shot X a look. Then looked up at me. Family stuff. X shook her head with a smile. Pregnancy makes them crazy pogo. Gotta get every detail squared away. She rolled her eyes then paused. And I think I'll have those noodles too. I looked at her. You look a little tired. Everything okay? She gave a wan smile. Just worn out. Too much to do these days. Even coming out here to get some rest was a lot of work. Had a nasty touch of allergies before we got on the plane. Still coming down from that. Allergies made sense. They'd just gotten back a few days ago. I'd let Howard know. I went back to the bar and got the noodles going. They really aren't that complicated. But the salt air probably helps. And maybe watching the surf come in is as important as the freshness of the green onion. My thoughts kept going back to Spooky and the whatever it is that we have. I wonder if I'm losing her. These last couple of weeks were so unlike her. Spooky's like that half-wildcat that comes in your house when she wants, leaves when she wants, hunts the birds and mice, and eats them rather than the expensive cat food you've bought, just to prove she's her own cat. Sure, she could be temperamental, but clingy and sullen just aren't like her. I wonder if she wants to move on, to leave this whatever it is. I don't like that, I don't want to lose her, but I don't have any claim on her. I don't have any right to stop her, or even to complain about it. She probably needs someone closer to her own age. And that thought sours my stomach. It's not like I chose to get older. Hell, I was stunned when I survived to turn 30 a little over a couple of decades ago. It wasn't like nobody had tried to kill me. My survival is a testimony to the global problem of really bad marksmanship. Given how pervasive that problem is, they should probably start a charity. I can already picture Sally Struthers saying, This is Pogo, and despite the thousands of rounds fired at him, he's still alive. With your help. Operators are standing by. The other kind of operators, of course. By the time the noodles are done, Monster is sitting with them I don't have to take his order. Egg white omelet, a side of fruit, and just leave the Tabasco bottle on the table. He's been eating very healthy and taking care of himself. The whole reason he's in later than X and Danny is because he's been out running on the beach. He still drinks coffee and eats the occasional steak though, so there may be some remnant of humanity left. As I brought the food out, Monster gave his usual friendly greeting. If you didn't know him, hadn't figured out what had happened, it was pretty convincing. Any chance you guys want to earn a little shack credit this evening Grease has three charters out and I'll need some help with the grill. That got Danny's attention she's been at beach bonfires for most of her life and really loves them. X enjoyed them too. I'm not sure if Monster really enjoys anything but he goes, mans the grill when he has to, and his presence has a dampening effect on misbehaving drunks. One fixed stare for Monster is worth about four squad cars. The credit thing is bullshit. As far as I'm concerned, Monster and X don't have to pay for anything, and they know it, but never take advantage of it. Even if I didn't consider them family, Grease and Angel have made it clear that if Monster and X ever manage to run up a tab, it goes on theirs. I guess I understand that. Besides, the profits off the Friday beach bonfires are so high, the idea of worrying about a free meal or two would be foolish. Danny jumped on it. Of course we'll be there I haven't been to a beach barbecue in forever. X smiled, a mother hen smile. No margaritas for you this time. Monster nodded he seemed very serious for a second. Danny rubbed her little bulge through her brightly colored sarong. It's worth it. It'll be fun anyway.
I'll just sit by the fire with Angel and make fun of everyone. Angel was in the same boat with Danny she was just about as far along with her third. And she'd always had a wicked little sense of humor, although nobody knew for a while. That seemed to settle it, a bit of a relief, even if I really expected them to go for it. If they weren't available, I'd have had to call Chief and ask him. He didn't have a lot of tolerance for drunk tourists, but he was a sucker for free steaks. I had to haul the grill around front I had a four-wheeler just for that. I thought about making it permanent, but I didn't want to ruin the view, and besides, the Friday bonfires wouldn't be as special if there wasn't any ritual attached. Getting the massive thing in place and leveling it was a half-hour project, and while I left the shack open, it was, serve yourself. The regulars kept an eye on things to make sure nobody cheated. I didn't have any booze unlocked before noon anyway. Even then, it was beer and wine until five due to local law. And since Chief was sitting in the place on and off through the day, that bet just wasn't worth taking. Just after I got back in, two bolts of gold lighting shot in through the front. Kisa and Lily, two golden-haired, blue-eyed wonders squealed, paused for a second to give X a quick kiss, then swarmed up into Monster's lap like it was reserved seating. Kisa began chattering at X about something she found on the beach, while Lily traced the scars on the side of Monster's face with one tiny hand. I don't understand it, but Monster seems more human around them. I tried hard to remember how he was around his own children. Maybe, just maybe, this meant something. I needed to talk to Howard about it. Maybe this is part of what we've been trying to figure out. That thought doesn't last long, because if Kisa and Lily are here, Angel isn't far behind. She walked in wearing a cornflower blue sarong that matched her eyes. Everyone in the shack paused for a second, subconsciously catching their breath before talking again. Looking at Angel is like staring into the sun. She was always beautiful, but once she got her little girl back and claimed Greece as hers, it was like somebody took the cover off a star. Pregnancy seems to make her even more spectacular. Chief told me once that he thinks it's because everyone hopes she has as many babies as possible her girls look just like her, and that goes a long way to making the world a more beautiful place. She flopped into the chair Danny had been in earlier Danny had obviously gone off somewhere with an exaggerated sigh of relief. She's just kidding, of course, she's her usual radiant self and the walk from her house is short and easy, even hurting her little girls along. I pulled two cups and a glass of guava juice for the three of them it's the girl's current favorite. Probably more because it's sweet and pink than because they like the flavor they're little girls after all. An angel always drinks whatever they drink. Angel took her glass with her usual grace, while the girls took their cups with a dual chorus of Thank you? Falling apart into a series of giggles. While the girls giggled, Angel took a long drink and looked up at me. There will about thirty guests at the bonfire tonight. Thomas called me over the radio. Thomas is Greece. Angel is the only one who calls him that though. It's part of her claim on him a claim that defines her, as much. Or even more than her beauty. Even as breathtaking as she is, nobody hits on her, even drunk, ridiculously rich tourists. She only has eyes for him, ever. And she wears that like a suit of armor. Even the most foolish couldn't miss it. I've seen guys try, and watched as their clever plans and practice lines died before launch. It's that obvious that a wicked smile crept on her features. They'll be hungry by sunset. He said the two of you could have saved time and just thrown the food into the sea yourselves. I chuckled to myself, reflecting that no matter how rich you are, you can't buy sea legs. I'll have plenty of steak. Something flickered over Angel's features. Can you make some of that street chicken? Some of the wives don't like steak or fish that much. Maybe fifteen breasts. Street chicken is another specialty of the shack. You can buy it off street carts from Bangkok to Phnom Penh to Hanoi. It's pretty simple and it's really best made with thighs, but rich people don't do chicken thighs. Just soy sauce, garlic, onion, black pepper and a little palm sugar brown sugar will do in a pinch, a little vegetable oil. Marinate it for an hour if you can. It's amazing made over charcoal. Skin on. That's especially critical with chicken breasts, they'll dry out otherwise. I'd have to make at least six times what Angel asked for the smell of the chicken goes down the beach forever and draws in wandering tourists like a magnet. They'd pay the beach party fee for just the taste of the chicken. I'll go check I can always send over to Nomo for more if I don't have it. She gave me a smile, thank you, but there was a hint of something I couldn't read in it. Sadness, maybe? Almost expressionless. Odd on her. She was the happiest person I knew, other than Greece. Of course that I walked back toward the storeroom. X followed, telling me she wanted to grab a couple packets of cookies for the girls while I was in there. Angel's sadness. Something was wrong, I knew it. I distractedly clicked the light to the storeroom and walked in. I was sure something was wrong. I just couldn't figure out what, 
until X clicked the door shut behind her. Monster knows about your plan. I felt air suck out of my lungs that I was a dead man. I had a chance. Less than a chance, really. If I could reach the shotgun behind the chest freezer. Probably less than 10%, even if I got to it before Monster came through that door. Don't. A different voice. From a figure perched on the chest freezer. I watched horrified as Danny drew a subcompact .45 from under her sarong. That liquid economy of force and effortless speed, almost too fast to follow. The tiny twisting wrist movement as she drew. Monster taught you. She smiled with a touch of pride. Dad made me practice all the time. It shows. Keep them talking. If they're talking, they're not shooting. I edged sideways slightly, hands up just a bit, until I could see X, leaning back against the door. Get them both in sight. It wouldn't help this time. The gun muzzle followed my center mass like it was alive, effortlessly and smoothly. As if Monster were holding it. There'd be no chance. If he drilled her that well, shooting me would simply be reflex. X was unarmed, but through that door, the old map warning. Here be monsters. They were both in on it. An angel had sent me here. She must have known. X shifted her stance. We need to talk. Monster figured out that you know he's different now. I didn't bother denying anything, it'd just waste time. Cause frustration. He's operating. In the States. No sanction. And we saw him before he had his cover figured out. He's protecting the children, and the grandchildren. I thought about that for a second, but it didn't change the main problem. With your guidance. And with you tempering him. Where does it go if something happens to you? He has a plan for that. She let that hang. Danny shifted. I'm the plan. He'll listen to you? She breathed in deeply. Once. That. Or, he knows he could accidentally become a threat to the grandkids. So he's been training me since I was seven. He wouldn't be able to bring himself to kill me, even if he could kill Finn or Patrick. Probably not them, but definitely not me. I blinked. Monster had trained, prepared, his own daughter to kill him if she had to. X glanced down. And we have a backup plan to that. I closed my eyes for a second, as pieces fell into place. Kisa and Lily. That's why the babysitting. Simple transference. The more Monster was around them, the more they became, his, dot, and shameless. To protect them, he'll listen to her. X's voice sounded hollow, far away, shameless. She called her shameless. Angel would never send me into a trap, never willingly risk harming a friend. But shameless? She'd do anything to protect her children. She already had. And there'd be no more lethal guard dog than Monster.X continued. If something happens to me, to Danny, Monster will move back here. There's no threat here. Not much anyway, and he can watch over Angel's girls. And he knows you can help with that. I'll have to tell Howard. Danny smiled, a slightly predatory smile. Finn's talking to him now. She paused, and her smile broadened. And Patrick is overseeing the installation of a swimming pool at the house. In the back. Just off the patio. From my expression she could tell they guessed right. Dad figured that would have given you about a 25% chance. 30. Danny outright grinned at that. Where'd you get the extra 5%? Howard would have been wearing a vest. Frag and a dead man switch. Ooh. Wicked. I'll have to remember that. So what now? Danny slid off the freezer and reholstered her gun in a single smooth motion. You have chicken breasts to count, and I have to go pee. My bladder is the size of a peanut right now. She pushed right by me and X let her out the door, then shrugged. I remember that. Sucks, you have to pee every fifteen minutes, and it's like three drops. She looked at me with a hint of sadness. We appreciate what you and Howard were doing. We really do. But it's taken care of. Danny just wanted this settled before she had the baby. She was being honest when she said it was family stuff. You and Howard are family, you know. She smiled again, this time with a little humor. It really is just allergies, Pogo. I promise. She walked out, leaving me with my mind going a million miles an hour and a whole lot of chicken to bring out Dot by the time I was finished, they had all left. They'd even cleared their table. The beach party was a combination of normal and bizarre. The grill, the fires, the music were all perfect. The trophy wives even seemed to be enjoying themselves, although I was certainly burning through a lot of tequila, so maybe it was just basic chemistry and biology at work. Things I'd never thought of as odd stood out. Angel and Danny in matching sarongs, giggling over something. Maybe me. I'd never realized how similar their mannerisms were until now. Monster playing pirates with Kisa and Lily, 
both of whom were laughing and screaming joyfully. Only now I realized that their sword fight was the first escrima drill we taught to new team members. He was already training them. Like he had his own children. X was watching in frank approval. I wasn't sure whether it was because the girls were having fun or because both the little blonde girls had the fighting stick first formed down perfectly. Angel caught me up the beach as I headed over to pick up more chicken. Even my optimistic estimates hadn't come close. Tourists were pouring in. I ended up sending a runner down to Nomo for more chicken and more shoyu soy sauce. I'm sorry. I understand, Angel. It's for the girls. And Thomas. I have to protect them. When she said that, her accent was heavier and her brilliant blue eyes seemed to dim. I didn't want to talk to Shameless. I'd rather talk to Angel. It's a great party tonight. The chicken is going as fast as I can make it. It was a really good idea. She caught the rather unsubtle hint. I really wanted the chicken for myself. It's my favorite. Sorry for tricking you into it. A bit of both Angel and Shameless. I'd settle for that. Greece was as clueless as I had been. I didn't say a word to him. He didn't need to know that although he was married to Angel, Shameless was still watching over all of them. Cleanup took until almost 1 a.m. I was writing a sign to announce a late opening of the shack so I could at least get a little sleep. It's good to be the boss sometimes. She walked in silently. Donna was in her usual suit, but her bodyguards were wearing flowered aloha shirts, of all things. Didn't help hide what they were. A thug in an aloha shirt looks pretty much like a thug in an aloha shirt. The fact that their sidearms were obvious under the shirts didn't help. The meaning sunk in. Spooky. Goddamn it.my spooky. I gripped the bar and felt my knuckles go numb as I tried to breathe. I didn't want to let Donna talk. I didn't want to hear her say it. Something had gone wrong. Very wrong. Or Donna would never come here. She pulled a chair out on the closest table and sat in it primly. Sit down, pause. She's the only one that calls me that, and only when it's damn serious. It took forever to walk over to the table. I'd grabbed a bottle of black rum and two glasses on my way, just to stall for time. I just wanted thirty more seconds without having to hear it. I sat, poured us both a slug and down mine without pausing and poured another. She downed hers as well. And waited while I filled the glasses again. You know I wouldn't be here if it wasn't serious. I nodded. It's just bad luck. She didn't make any mistakes. Sometimes shit happens. My second slug went down in one long swallow. One more year would have been fifteen. She could have just walked if she wanted to, no questions asked. She stared at her hands. A sudden, cruel, hyena-like smile split her face. How the hell you knocked her up, I'll never know. We take precautions against that. It took a second for me to get it, and she continued. No way in hell I'm forcing her to get an abortion, or risking my nephew or niece on a damned mission. Shit. Imagine how pissed mom would be if I got her grandchild killed? I glared at her. My own sister thought doing this to me was funny? Danica had gone by, Donna, since before I was born. She smiled a real smile. Don't be an asshole. She's worried to death that you'll kick her out. She's waiting at your place, fucking terrified out of her mind. She's loves you like crazy, you know. She's just not good at saying it. And you know it's your kid. She's a practical girl if there was even a hint that it could be anyone else's, she'd have just had an abortion. She stopped doing swallow and honey trap work over a year ago. At her request. Why the hell? She cut me off. I wasn't just doing this for kicks. Well, maybe a little. I needed to know you felt the same way before I let you go home. She paused for a second. You two may have an age difference, but her life's been rough, so maybe the mileage is closer than you think. She stood up. Pause, marry her and bring her around for Christmas, or so help me God, I'm telling mom. The second she walked out, I had the place closed and was running down the beach. The sign on the shack announced that it'd be closed all day. Due to family issues. Post-production notes. Some potentially unfamiliar terms, just in case. A dead man or dead man switch detonates if a person is killed grip release is common, but there are a lot of other options. A chicken switch is a remote detonator used by another person if a suicide bomber is injured, killed or loses his her nerve before detonating. It's also commonly referred to as a buddy fucker switch. Eskrima or Eskrima is a stick fighting martial art from the Philippines that was heavily favored by U.S. special mission units for a very long time, and still is in some of the darker corners. A swallow is a female agent who uses sex to entrap, entice or control. A raven would be the male equivalent. Honey trap refers to entrapment operations conducted by a swallow or raven.